Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you this morning, and hopefully you've had a chance to gather with some friends or family to watch the service together. And if you're a first-time guest, we're so thankful that you would take time to join us this morning for online church. Uh, you can find out more about our church by visiting our website, salemheightschurch.org. We have more information about our church and even some updates on what we're doing during this season. Uh, but we also remember that this is Independence Day weekend, and so uh, we wanted to show you just a short video to kind of just remind us what that's all about, and then we'll head into our worship time. But we're so glad that you're with us this morning, and we hope you enjoy the service. We wave high the flag of freedom as a patriotic reminder to never take our independence for granted. Fireworks explode into the night sky, lighting up the darkness, reminding us of our nation's calling in the world. One nation under God. We look into the sky and remember that for all the freedom we have to celebrate, we must never forget our dependence on God. It was by His hand we were afforded our independence. So we might stand for liberty remembering he set us free from the bondage of sin. So we might stand for justice, for the Lord loves justice, and he will not forsake his saints. So we might stand for freedom, because we know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We thank you, God, for the beautiful gift of our country. May we always depend on you to sustain us. Well, good morning, Salem Heights. As we worship together this morning, I just wanted to share this scripture with you. It comes from 2 Corinthians, and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old thing has passed away. Behold, the new thing has come. And as we sing these words, I believe I overcome by the power of his blood. I'm alive because he lives. We know that that is the reality that we live in. Because he is alive, we have a new reality in him. So let's sing about that. my 
darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from the throne of endless glory to a cradle in the to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you died Praise the That stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, and the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel to the old shall not kneel, shall not bend. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who is resurrected me. Oh, praise the name 
Father, we thank you that when we were helpless in our sin, that you sent your son, you came and you died and you were buried and you rose again. Father, giving us a new life in you, ascending and establishing your church here. Father, it is such a privilege to be a part of that church. And we pray that now in a season of trial and a season of testing, um, that we would be that we would remain faithful to that calling that you've called us as your church. Lord, prepare our hearts now as we prepare to hear from your word. In your name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be back with you this week, and I'm here with Pastor Justin as we're in week two of our series, Faithful Prayers of Fractured Lives, and hopefully you've had a chance to maybe gather with someone this week and be able to... Uh, worship and now turn our attention to God's Word. But uh, Pastor Justin, um, one of the things that we wanted to do is just give a quick update on kind of where we're at in phase two and where we might be heading in the future weeks. Yeah, and what we're going to strongly recommend is that you uh, go to the website to be able to see the updates that we have there. Uh, but for the next eight weeks, we're going to be continuing to meet in home groups. Uh, but we really do want to challenge you to meet with other people in the church to find some other individuals to join with in worship and to be accountable to the word. Uh, so Sundays we will focus on those home groups and we're going to be adding some support to those home groups to make them um, flourish. Mm. But also midweek we're going to be uh, starting a series of groups where we can actually get some face time together as a church and we'll have you sign up uh, for what we're going to be calling campfire times where we're going to have multiple uh, places where leaders will be leading uh, moments where we can see each other, we can uh, respond in worship, and we can fellowship once again. But because of some complications here at the church, we're not able to do that inside the church building just yet. Uh, we will make that space available. And so in order to sign up and to hear more about that, we would encourage you to go to the website. That's awesome. And so we uh, look forward to answering questions and be able to continue to lead in the coming weeks. But yeah. uh, I know that we had uh, probably a good portion of our church wondering yeah. how, um, for an update. So, and I, and I would say one of the things we we're really hungry to be together, and yeah. we agree with that uh, you know chorus of voices that is saying it's important for us to be in fellowship. Most folks have found folks to to fellowship with, but yeah. we want to provide that for those who haven't been able to have that connection. Mm -hmm. It is of immense value to gather together and worship. We don't want to forsake that. So yeah. we're finding ways to do that creatively. Yeah. Well, this series is focused on prayers that maybe we don't touch on a ton um, from different parts of the Bible. Maybe they're unfamiliar or perhaps um, it's been a while since we've looked at them. And they're prayers that come from people who are experiencing hardship yeah. um, or fracture in their life. Last week, we kind of looked at what happens when the, the fracture or the pressure is outside of you. Yeah. It's come from the society or the world that you're living in and how to respond. 
But this week it's going to get a little bit more personal. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking about King David. Mm-hmm. And if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to grab them and open to Psalm chapter 51. Uh, but before we read the text today and kind of share some observations about uh, King David here, um, the story that yeah. precedes this, the context of understanding uh, where this prayer, what was kind of leading David to pray this prayer, comes out of Second Samuel. And so yeah. maybe share a little bit with us, like, what's going on? Set the, set the scene for us yeah. before we read Psalm 51. Yeah, and I think this is important. We called the series Faithful Prayers of Fractured Lives. And if you have your Bibles already open, I want you to notice that there's actually um, a statement that comes before verse 1. That's actually in Scripture. That's not something that has been added by commentators later. That actually is written by the Lord. It's to be read every time that we read this passage. And it says to the choir master, I'm reading out of the ESV here, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Mm. The moment that is... Uh, that precedes Psalm 51 comes in Second uh, Samuel chapter 11, and it says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So it's the time when kings go out to war. Yeah. This is what kings are supposed to do. But David, not because he was injured, not because he was overwhelmed, not because he was too tired. He decides to stay back. He becomes isolated. While he is there, he notices a woman that is bathing while he is up on his rooftop just surveying the scene, Mm -hmm. and it's Bathsheba. Now, the most interesting thing, and I would encourage folks to read this story on your own, but if you go back to the time that David was actually in the desert, uh, when he is outside before he is king, there's a moment where the entire camp runs into the Amalekites. And they, they take away all of the women and children. Mm-hmm. And David almost gets killed. His people are so furious about this. And he gathers a group of guys and in just this glorious moment rides off, uh, wins the day in battle, and brings home the women and children. At that battle is two people that are significant. Uriah, who becomes one of his mighty men. Right. And Bathsheba, who was probably one of the young girls that got brought back from captivity. Hmm. So when David goes up on his roof and he's looking, he says, oh, who is that? And his man says to him in the most interesting phrasing, well, isn't that Bathsheba? Why does he say it that way? Because he said, hey, that's little Bathsheba that was with us in the desert. Mm -hmm. You already know her. But David's seeing her in a very different light. She knows she's not supposed to be there. He knows he's not supposed to be watching. They both end up in a situation that leads to sin and ultimately the death of a child. Mm. David thinks it's all been hidden. Mm -hmm. It's all been taken care of because he made decisions that caused Uriah and his men to die. That hid the the sin from the rest of Israel. Bathsheba was now his wife. He thought he had hidden all of this dirty deed from Israel, but it wasn't hidden from God. And Nathan the prophet comes to him and says, you did this. You're the man Mm. of sin, and David breaks. Yeah, and so we see now in Psalm 51 is the recording of a prayer that David uh, prays to God. Uh, But before we get into this, uh, one more to kind of just set up the context for this morning. Why might this text, this passage, this topic of repentance be 
How would this hit us right now? Yeah, so why would we cover Psalm 51? We had actually said that we're more susceptible to sin in isolation. Yeah. Proverbs actually says it this way, that he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He'll soon be crushed beyond repair. Um, when we begin to separate ourselves, we don't want people to do that. We sin in separation, so we'll sneak off to another room, we'll sneak off to another city, we sneak off to another location. Uh, we try to hide from those things. But right now, isolation's been thrust upon us. Mm -hmm. So maybe we were accountable, and we'd really been working hard at that accountability, but all the accountability structures have fallen off. And what we are hearing is not only that depression is on the rise, mm -hmm. but sin leading to depression is on the rise. Depression's not always caused by sin, but when you sin and you know you're wrong with people around you and wrong with God, it does lead to a discouraged spirit. Yeah. Um, alcohol abuse is on the rise, drug addiction, uh, people are running back to their old flesh, um, the areas that, that used to grab onto them. So we're watching people run back to old patterns in isolation that, that are, uh, it's leading to their destruction. Mm -hmm. So the reason this is relevant is in a season right now where we've been thrust into anonymity and we can start making choices online or in other places where other people aren't seeing it, mm. we can end up trapped. Yeah. And this prayer helps us, first of all, expose it to the light and then move forward to yeah. a new day. It gives us a blueprint on how to respond when yeah. God sends a Nathan into our life. And there's, there's a couple of different ways that he can do that. Um, it can be through the Holy Spirit, you know, prompting yeah. you just, you know, that what you're not in line with what God has yeah. said. It could be through time in the word that God reveals something that maybe isn't a present tense issue, but an issue you haven't dealt with yet. Yeah. And the word convicts you. And it can also be through another believer who's yeah. saying, hey, I've been watching your life. I've noticed maybe you've pulled away or there's something that's come out of you that I'm concerned about. Any one of these ways that God tries to confront the sin, yeah. how are we going to respond to that? And I think David's <clears throat> response here in Psalm 51 is where we're going to get our blueprint. But I want people to understand, because this is a heavy topic. Yeah, I can and, hear TVs clicking off right now <laughs> right. all around our, our city. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, repentance and confronting sin we really talked about how this should actually give us a sense of hope. Yeah. I know sometimes when I'm correcting my kids, they do something that I remember doing as a kid, yeah. which is when I've been caught in a, in a lie or I did something I wasn't supposed to do and then I, I defend it or I deny it or I get angry and try to push people away or blame somebody else. Yeah. Once we kind of get through the issues, what really is revealed is this, well, I didn't want to get in trouble, so I was trying to keep it a yeah. secret. And when we do that, it actually just makes it worse. Yeah. And what David does here is when he's confronted with his sin, he repents. Yeah. And what God does is he restores him. And that's the hope. That's yeah. the hope for our people uh, this morning. That's what we want to see in this. Because repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry. It is, uh, it is actually turning and going a different direction. Yeah. So let's read a little bit of Psalm 51. So David now has been confronted by Nathan, and this is what the Spirit of God directs him to write. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. 
So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation Mm -hmm. to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Now, we just bit off a big chunk. We read the whole thing, 19 verses. Uh, But there are a couple of things that we see here that I think really kind of outline David's response. Yeah, and I think uh, what I want to do here is we're going to flip roles just a little bit. Okay. I'm going to have you walk through these these points that we have. On here because uh, you, you've been studying this, and actually, as we uh, walked through this, there were some things uh, we've had multiple moments to apply this mm-hmm. uh, during the course of this last actually couple of months. It's been really a beautiful process to watch this passage come into like vivid color. Yeah. But there's some things that you learned that have really stuck uh, that I think would be super helpful mm-hmm. to our our folks. Yeah. And so David comes to some conclusions. We can't unpack the entire psalm right now. Um, we're, we're just going to touch on some stuff, yeah. but he actually comes to some conclusions that will help us come clean and arrive refreshed. Mm. And so what are, what, what's the first of those things that we need to see and do? Yeah, the first thing when we're confronted with our sin is that we need to actually see it. And yeah. what we mean by that is there is a way that God sees it that we need that perspective and that awareness. Oftentimes when we are confronted with sin, we can begin to justify it. We can begin to diminish it uh, in comparison to other people. But the reality is if we're gonna get healthy, if we're gonna let God do this cleansing work that David is talking about, we have to get it all out on the table. We gotta be able to see it as God sees it. And there's a progression here so there's three things. See it is the first one. Hit us with those three, and then we'll, yeah. we'll come back and, and dive a little deeper on sure. that first one. So we got to see it, and then we got to say it, and then we need to submit to God's yeah. cleansing process. Threefold process. Yeah. So we see it. We've actually got to look at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had talked a little bit about driver's ed, right? right. And uh, one of the things that we have to do when we're, when we're teaching kids, they, they would arrange a scene when I was going through driver's ed uh, where you'd actually see a crash yeah. and then they would have you stand in front of it and they would talk about the kid that had made the poor decision sure. that led to this horrible scene they'd reset for us in the mm-hmm. gym or whatever. But they asked you to step outside and see how horrifying the wreck was so that you wouldn't make those decisions again. And in a sense, that's what's happening here is we tend to just keep our head down and hide. 
but he, he wants us to see it. Mm-hmm. There was a, a picture that uh, W.R. Gore shared. Are, are you ready to uh, walk through that about <laughs> the water line? Well, yeah, he talks about this in, in a boat. He was using this as an illustration to say that there are certain things that can happen to a boat above the water line that the boat can take that damage. It could even be a hole in the side of the boat, but as long as that hole is above the water line, the boat can be repaired as it's moving and stay above yeah. water. But if there is, if it strikes something underneath the water line, that part of the boat, the hull that's below the surface, if there's a hole or something that hits that, um, that needs to be addressed because if that is left unseen, if it's ignored, if it's like, well, I don't see it above here, so it's fine. If I don't actually address that, that actually can lead the boat to sink. Yeah. And so for us, when we talk about seeing it, we need to ask God, God, I need to get below the water line. I don't want to just look on the surface. I want to actually see what are the things that are going on here. And David says, God, I I need you to be gracious right now as I pray this prayer because I don't deserve even to be able to come to you with this. I have failed. And he says in verse 3, I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. I am actually seeing that I haven't just sinned against Uriah, I haven't just sinned against Bathsheba, I have sinned against you. Yeah, I think that's critical. And one of the other things with that illustration is with cosmetic things, we're quick to admit those. Something that happens in public, oh man, I can't deny that just happened, right? <laughs> the ugly cosmetic changes to the boat aren't gonna sink it. But things that hit under the waterline, we can quite often, like we'll hit something and not tell anybody else. Right. But we're taken on water, yeah. and the destruction is more real. But things that we do in private that we think we can hide, we tend to let that go because we don't want to tell people, but that, right. that damage is the most permanent. Yeah. And what God's saying is, I'm bringing this to the surface. I'm going to pull the whole boat out of the water mm-hmm. and point it out to you and say, let's fix this together. Mm-hmm. But it's an egregious situation to hide it. Yeah. So David brings that out to clarity. Yeah. God says, I want you to see it. Nathan helps him to yeah. see it. What's the next point? Well, that he says it. And this is something that I think for a lot of us, um, when we are trying to deal with something quietly and push, you know, put it away and just yeah. you know, do it under, under wraps, um, we see David here, actually, this is recorded for us. Yeah. And it's recorded in a way in the book <clears throat> of Psalms, something that would have been repeated and, and sung by other people. Um, but he actually goes about and, and he is confessing everything. Yeah. God, I have sinned against you. I have done evil in your sight. Lord, I was born guilty. I, I mean, I have been sinful since the beginning, yeah. and I need you to do something in me that only you can do. I cannot cleanse this sin. I can't get rid of it. I need you to make me clean again. Yeah. I, I was uh, telling you as we were talking, um, one of the things that I have been doing in my own personal Bible study um, has, I, I uh, got this idea from a, a, a pastor where he talked about, you know, we can read the Bible, we can make our observations, and we can pray and, and have a prayer journal and write the things yeah. we want from God. But the challenge was to make confession part of your daily practice. Yeah. Now, I mean, depending on your church background and how you were raised, you know, sometimes yeah. that seems like, well, we don't do confession, right? Yeah. But what he's really saying is back in the early church days, they would use a word that I wouldn't even, I, I don't even use on a daily basis. Yeah. It's, it's called mortification. Yeah. Um, it's basically this idea of taking time to read God's word, let it speak to your heart, and actually let it reveal how you are that yeah. and how broken you are, how much you need the Lord. And so what's interesting, I've, I've actually revealed this in myself, and I'll be transparent to our yeah. whole church body right now. Yeah. 
I've been writing down. And so I'm reading it. I'm making observations. Something the Lord really just kind of stirs in my heart. And as I begin to write, God, I confess I am that. It's almost every single time I can feel in my mind, my flesh, I want to add words like, God, I confess that sometimes. God, I confess that on rare occasion. God, yeah. this, this used to be. Rather than say, no, I, I still do this, Lord. And, and just I need to get it all out there and confess that, knowing that you're, you're, you've saved me. I'm forgiven. You're going to yeah. help me in that. But as we see in 1 John chapter 1, he says, if we confess, start yeah. with confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from that unrighteousness. That's what I want. That's what I'm called to do. Completely. Even though I've already been saved, I'm still called to confess. And I think we see that here even in David. He yeah. says it. Well, and, and it's not just can I confess it quietly, but James tells us that we confess our sins one to another yeah. and, and then pray for another. Yeah. And, and this, that prayer of a righteous man, has a, a might, it's mighty in its effect, it yeah. says. There, actually, there will be a working, but don't just confess to the Lord, confess to somebody else, and it stops the rot, it arrests yeah. that development and begins to push forward. So we gotta see it, we have to say it mm -hmm. and agree with God, but what's the third one? This is probably, we would think maybe confession's the hardest one. Yeah. I think this is maybe the hardest part, yeah. is we have to submit to it. And, and the it there is the cleansing process that David talks about here. Yeah. When he says um, in, in this, uh, in verse 7, purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Um, hyssop was a, a branch. It was a plant that they would use as part of a cleansing agent. But in order to do what it did, I mean, you're rubbing a plant. Again. I mean, it, you're scrubbing. Yeah. Um, you're, you're really going to have to work at it to get that clean. Yeah. The submission process means that, Lord, I am now, I, I, I see it as you see it. I confess, I'm saying that this is an issue. God, I, I need you to come in and do that work. Yeah. I need you to scrub me clean. Mm -hmm. And, and then we see this where he's saying, God, I, I need you to do this. And if you will, I believe that this is going to lead to that restoration of integrity and wisdom deep yeah. within me. Super important. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, we actually wrangled over what that word, the word choice for this final Part of it is because it would be natural for us to say commit. Mm -hmm. So we got to be committed to change. Yeah. But when it's us doing it, if, then it's about the work. Right. So Lord, thanks for, for cleansing me. I'm going to do the work now of getting right with you. Yes. But the submission process is actually I can't. I, I can't do that. Right. When I do it, I'm incomplete because I'm not going to get to the, the core. So, or we might just put a band-aid on and go, okay, it's good. And yeah. We haven't cleaned up. Like, I feel women. better about it, Lord. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't want to deal with this right yeah. now. Yeah. There's actually a, uh, a story that's very familiar. C.S. Lewis wrote uh, a series of books, The Chronicles of Narnia. And in one of them, it's The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Uh, and, uh, and this would be a great thing, parents, if you have an opportunity to read some of those books to your kids or even find this passage. Mm. It would be a helpful thing. But in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, there's this kid, Eustace, who's just a pain from the very beginning. Uh, and uh, he's irritated about what they're eating. He's irritated about the personalities on the ship. Uh, they all get caught up and are, and are moving forward uh, in the storyline with Eustace's kind of baggage. And he's just this irritant there. And he's a, a clean picture of somebody who doesn't care about Aslan, which would be the Lord, or people. He doesn't care about the church. He's an outsider, irritated and bothered. He comes 
to this island and they find gold. And in his heart, he's always wanted to be wealthy. He's always wanted to be significant. And so he grabs this bracelet that mm -hmm. he sees there and he puts it on his arm and it instantly causes him to fall asleep. And he wakes up and the gold has pinched his arm to the point that it hurts. But as he begins to look at his arm, he realizes, wait, that's not skin, that's scales. Mm. And he finds a pool of water and he realizes he's turned into this dragon. And it's this picture of wickedness that just wells up inside of an individual. Well, he goes on a tear and his, his friends start to attack him because he's just become this wretch. And eventually he's able to, through a, a series of uh, you know, small adventures, show them, hey, I need help. I'm this dragon, can I get help? And they say, the only one who can help you is Aslan, the picture of God in these stories. Mm. So Aslan takes him up to this pool, says, you're gonna bathe in this pool, but before you do, you gotta get rid of the dragon skin. And Eustace says, well, let me try. So he scrapes and it hurts. So he stops at the first layer and then he looks in the pool and so quickly the scales come right back on him. So he does it again and quickly the scales come back on him. And he does it one more time and he thinks he's gone deep and he says, I, I can't get deep enough, will you do it? And Aslan says, do you really want me to try? <laughs> so he just lays down on the ground and he says, and with his first strike, Aslan was so deep, he said it felt like it poked me straight in the heart. Mm. He starts shredding the skin and it's, he said his claws were moving furiously, but he dug deeply and as painful as the process was, I felt freedom mm. coming. And so here is Eustace at the end, he dives into the pool as all his skin's been removed. So it's this horrifying picture, but he dives in, he's brand new, clean, fresh, skin is purified. He's splashing around and filled with joy. He's once again, he said a boy and he says, and I was even proud of my weak little muscles. I was glad <laughs> to be all me, weak, simple and clean mm. because Aslan had washed me. But he said only Aslan could do it. Yeah. And I think part of the process is when we try to do it, we get just deep enough that it hurts a little bit and then we try to hide the rest. But if we let the Lord, if we submit to the process, he's gonna take us through what might be terrifying, mm -hmm. sharing with somebody, opening it up, saying this is what I did and having other people agree, yeah, you do that. But then the process is so cleansing you never look back. Yeah. The scales don't return. And this is the key difference between confession, which is important. We've talked yeah. about that already, but repentance. Because repentance key. is not just admitting, but it's going through this process that leads to a change. And, and it leads me back towards following and obeying God, walking in step with Him. Yeah. And so if there's no change evident after a confession, yeah. that's typically a sign that you haven't let the Lord clean out the wound. You haven't, haven't taken that time to let him really to submit yourself to that process. Yeah. But that change is not going to come quickly and it's not going to come by our own strength. It's going to come as a result of our submission to God and, yeah. and letting him um, do what David is calling for here. So David, he, he prays this. And, and what I think is also really interesting about this text as we wrap up is just his desire then to come forth is to be now one who doesn't point to himself but allows this to yeah. be a motivation to tell other people about the goodness of God. He says in, in verse 14, he says, Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and, and my mouth will declare your praise. And then I love verse 17, the sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humble heart, God. And I think that's where David ends up. He goes through this process of seeing it as God sees it. 
he says it, he confesses it, and then he submits himself, says, God, cleanse me from within, restore yeah. deep within me this wisdom. And what is the result? You see David as this man who is now humbled by the Lord, he's contrite, and, and he lives out the rest of his days, and it tells us at the end of his life, he is known as the sweetest psalm writer of yeah. Israel. He, is he calls psalm. himself that. Yes. Yeah. And, and he, he's not labeled now by yeah. this life-defining sin, this black mark of, yeah. he, it doesn't say, and David died, this murdering philanderer. Yeah, which no. he should have been called Absolutely. if we were labeling a guy. Right. No, he was that. Yeah. I, I think you and I, when we were looking at that, when he calls himself the sweet singer of songs or the sweet yeah. psalmist of Israel, I, what the question is, when you review your life and you're going to tell your family, this is who I am, what do you say? And if we've done some things wrong, we want them to know that we've done them. We'll, we'll say stuff like, well, I'm this or I'm that, that it's negative. Well, I'm, I've been a, a grumpy person or I'm the grumbler of the house or whatever it is. David said, I'm so set free. Yeah. That I, I'm the singer of songs. Everyone knows. I just am going around the house singing. Every time I'm in the, the castle, there's a song. I'm whistling hymns, yeah. you know. And so that, that is his, and everyone agreed with it. The editor of Second Samuel says, yeah, that's his name. Yeah, and he lands in this, these last two verses where he's talking about, and in your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. God, once yeah. you've done the work you needed to do to cleanse me, it now frees, it allows that process to go forward, and you are a good God who's going to continue to provide and lead in the days to come. It's profound. So I know we have some questions like we yeah. have to each week, and uh, you have them written down. I don't have them on my piece of paper, yeah, but uh, I can we, walk through those. we want to make sure that as we walk through this, this is a, a, an important topic. But here's the thing. Repentance is hard, but man, it's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. Because when David says, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit, yeah. Lord, don't let your Holy Spirit uh, leave me. And this is a verse that sometimes we wrangle with now and as we read it. This has been perfectly fulfilled in Christ. Yeah. For those who place their faith in the gospel, he creates, he, he wipes us clean. He, he makes us whiter than snow. He forgives our sins and he places his Holy Spirit in us eternally yeah. as a promise of that goodness that Christ has done. And so um, we want to encourage our, our folks to not let any kind of maybe falling back or struggles that they've been having recently to be you know something that guilt and shame and, and weighs them down. Yeah. But to respond to whatever God's Nathan is in your life like David and pursue that repentance and restoration in God. Yeah, and it'll bring you joy. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, that'd be the first question we'd ask is, who has been a Nathan in your life? Mm. Who's been somebody who pointed out things and was willing to take the abuse, but has highlighted for you a truth that if you respond to it, will cause God to just flourish in your life and cause others to respond to you differently. Yeah. So who's been a Nathan? And the second one is, how is God's view of repentance and forgiveness different from the world's? So when we walk through this, this picture, uh, it, it's freeing to us, but talking about stuff this clearly is not what everybody does. Mm. Uh, most people will say, hey, don't get bound up in guilt. Don't review your life. Don't go back and deal with those things. Set it aside and move on, yeah. right? Yeah. But um, we need to ask, why is God's view different? And, and we need to register that so that we cling to his ways rather than our own. Mm. And a third question for this morning is, which of these three, 
See it, say it, and submit do you struggle to do? And why are all three important? Mm, yeah. That's a question you got to answer together. Yeah. That'll be tough. But. Well, let me pray for us as we wrap up our time this morning. Yeah, thank you. Father God, you are so good. God, we, we love you. We thank you for being a God of grace and mercy. But God, you've, in, you've invited us into a relationship and you have called us to not just take advantage of that forgiveness, Lord, but to continue to walk humbly in your sight, God. And so, Father, I just pray for our, our church. I pray for anyone watching uh, this message, Lord, that as you begin to stir up in us maybe some things that you want us to deal with, some of these things that you might want to cleanse us from, that, God, we wouldn't reject it. We wouldn't get angry at that prompting. We wouldn't push it away or sweep it under the rug, but, God, we would yield to it. God, that we would see it as you see it, that we would confess it, that we would say it with our lips, Lord, and then we would submit ourselves to that process of repentance and restoration. God, we thank you for the men and women in our lives who have been Nathans, and we, we ask that you would continue to build up a community around us that will help us and, and watch out for us and who will love us enough to tell us uh, when they see something that doesn't line up with your best, God. And I just pray that as we all continue to grow in you, that this would be a great source of joy in our lives. God, we thank you so much for this word. And we pray now that you would help us in our discussions with family. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. Amen.